Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad you are here this morning. I hope everyone is awake. Let me see everyone smile. This is a test. If you are awake, I need to see a smile. Oh, all right. I saw like five smiles, y'all. All right. All right. I'm, I'm watching you, all right? I just want to do a few announcements, all right? So January 15th, 10 a.m., we are having a volunteer meeting. So that means if you serve in any ministry at this church or you would like to serve in a new ministry, please come to this meeting. We are going to talk about um, information you need for this certain whatever ministry you would like to do. Um, you will be given um, just any details about whichever ministry. I, we, I know we have a lot going on, and I love that you guys want to get involved, and I'm super excited. I hope you guys are too. Also, on January 15th um, at 6 o'clock, the men are having a meeting. It's going to be a bonfire. All right, if you need the address, you can go ahead and talk to Mr. C.E. Chavis. He will give it to you. Sorry, out of breath. Um, and then Sunday, so it's the 15th of Saturday, Sunday, the 16th, the women are having a meeting at 6 o'clock here, all right? So January 16th, Sunday, 6 o'clock, women's ministry meeting is going to be here. Oh, 5 o'clock. Thank you, thank you. So at 5 o'clock, all right, 5 o'clock. And then also, last announcement, January 16th as well, the kids, it's a PJ day for y'all. So please come in your PJs. We're going to have hot chocolate. It's going to be during service, during their, um, during their class time. You get to wear your PJs. We're going to drink hot cocoa. It's going to be fun. So please, kids, come in your PJs. Let's get all comfy. It's going to be a great time. Um, and then last, also sorry, last announcement. Um, connection card, your connection card. If you do not have one you would, you, and you would like one, it's in the Welcome Center, I believe. Um, if you need a prayer request, please fill that out. Um, and you may drop it in one of the baskets up here. Um, I know Pastor Josiah and Pastor Charlie. Um, and there's a group of people who pray over you. And whatever you want, whatever prayer request that you have, please, please, please fill out that little slip. All right, turn it in, and we will pray for you. Okay? It's that easy, Okay. All right, I'll pass it to Pastor Charlie. Good morning, Crossroads. Morning. How are y'all this morning? Good. All right. Scripture says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. And I'll enter his courts with praise. All right, so let's get prepared. All right, we can't sit there. We can't just relax and just whatever on Sunday. We're going to praise today, right? Is he not worthy to be praised? Yes, he is. Amen. He is. He is. So before we get started, let's go ahead and say our faith statement. So if everyone will stand with me, please. We are sword drawn, word ready, purpose filled. We will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, we will do everything. Not somehow, but triumphantly. Yes, yes. We're not going to be denied. We're not going to be denied, people. We are going to move forward triumphantly yes, with his are. help. Amen. And over our offering today, there will be a designated time of offering. So uh, Pastor Josiah will lead us into that. 
But let's say our faith statement over our offering. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for what? Jobs and better jobs. And what? What else? Benefits, sales, and Yes, what else? Yes. Interest. Yes, rebates and returns. Checks in the mail. Yes. Finding money. Debts paid off. Expenses decrease. A blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right, church. I want to tell you, we're here to worship an almighty God. We're here to worship a God who provides us everything. He is our peace. He is our way maker. He is our healer, Lord. So don't sit there and just go, hallelujah. I want to hear it. I want to hear you praise. I want to hear you shout, just like God himself walked into this room. How would you act? I want you to raise your voice right now. Let's praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
make that confession. No matter what's going on, you're going to praise.
going on in heaven right now.
having grown up Pentecostal, having grown up a preacher's kid, having grown up leading worship, having grown up being a youth pastor. Oh, you know, I knew it all, right? Let me tell you something. When the enemy launches a whole full-scale attack on you, you will come to a point in your life where everything you thought you knew, I am so strong, I can just make it through anything crumbles right before your face and all you have left is Jesus. Let me tell you, at that moment is the purest form of trust and praise and worship there is. Because you know in that moment that there is absolutely nothing you can do to fix this and all you can do is say, Jesus, help. That is the purest Form of worship right there because in that moment you acknowledge that there is absolutely no way through this without him and in that moment everything that I knew all the times I'd left worship all the stuff we had done just, it was gone it was nowhere it was of no worth but what I had in that moment was worth more than anything I could have ever had in my life. And that was just the sense of his presence. Even though I was upset, hurt, devastated, I sensed his presence. And I said out loud, after I had gone through all the scenarios of how I was gonna fix this or how it could be fixed or what I was gonna do, my plan, I heard the Lord say, only time I've ever really kind of heard him, you know what I'm saying? I, it wasn't no like big epiphany or anything. But I felt the Lord say, okay, but try it my way first. And if it doesn't work, then you can do all that. I was like, fine, whatever. That's just how I was talking to him. Hey, come on, we real, right? I wasn't like, oh, Heavenly Father, great Jehovah. I was like, fine. But if it doesn't work, I'm handled no matter what happens. Because you know, sometimes you just don't give a rip anymore when life snatches the breath out of you, right? And I can tell you, standing right here, all these years later, his way was not necessarily the easiest. Let me go ahead and take that facade out of the way right now. It's not always the easiest, but it was the best. Because it kept him in the forefront. I kept giving him glory for whatever happened. And I trusted him. I tried everything. I didn't do it all right every time. But for the most part, I tried to keep my hands out of it and just let him fix it. I mean, come on. If he can make this universe, I think he can fix our little problems, don't you think? But, oh, don't we do that, though? We like, oh, I don't want to wait. I can, I can fix this. And then it's a bigger mess than what it was. But I can tell you, standing here today, God's way is the only way to ensure that you have peace hope and joy no matter what you're going through in your life his way is the only way and when you worship him when you tell him he's worthy even though you don't feel it when you tell him that you exalt you jesus i love you even when you don't feel it i can promise you that awareness of his presence fills you with his joy and his strength in that moment and there is nothing like that in the world there is no doctor or scientist that can tell you why that is happening that is trust and faith in God Almighty because he is worthy he is worthy and he will do it for you he will do it for you I can promise you come on whatever you're going through right now let's just think about those things and 
let's just trust him and worship him again. Let's just tell him how worthy he is. Whatever you're going through, relationship issues, money issues, family issues, come on, he can do it. He is worthy of it all. And when you give him glory, he can work. He can fix it whenever you worship. Come on, he is you are worthy of it all. Come on, just worship Jesus and trust him. You are worthy of it all. Yes, you are, God. Born from you all things. And to you all You deserve the glory. Whatever we're going through, God, we choose to worship. Say you're worthy. You are worthy of it all. God, I choose to worship. You are worthy. all Jesus in this place. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Two quick things before we go into our time of offering. I wanted to say thank you to everyone who came out in support of Miss Johnny Fry and the Fry family yesterday for the memorial. Um, please continue to love on them, be there with them as their church family. Uh, Miss Johnny needs a lot of love, so if you, as her church family, would take the initiative just to shoot her a message. Miss Johnny, thinking of you, love you. And I wanted to say, as your pastor, thank you for coming and really supporting that family through a hard time. I also wanted to give an update on Amanda Long, who just had her little baby girl, Brooklyn. That's awesome, right? Babies being born. Praise God. We got a bunch of babies in this church, which is a good thing, right? Um, but she sent me an update text. Little Brooklyn is doing really well. 
Um, she said after she eats eight full bottles, she's on number three, she'll be able to come home and please be praying for Amanda as she is recovering from her C-section. So I'm, I am thrilled by that, that little baby girl is doing well and I'm excited to see the little baby girl in this church. And to me, that made me smile when she shot me that text because you know we've been praying when a baby's premature, that's always kind of touch and go. So we're praising God for safe delivery, a safe mommy and a healthy baby. Praise the Lord. All right, so if you would please stand with me as we prepare to give our tithes and our offerings and take that in your hand as we are believing God. Hey, after we pray, kids can be dismissed in the back for Children's Church with Miss Amanda Fry back there in the, back there in the corner. All right. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We are believing for great things, Lord God. And I, as the pastor of this church, am praying blessings over families in this church, that as you pour out blessings upon them, they then pour blessings back into the ministry. But not just money, I'm talking time, I'm talking talent and gifts, that as we are blessed, we will continue to bless this ministry. So Lord God, as we have these tithes and our offerings in our hand, I pray that we, we would take our initiative of giving generously the pledge we made, but we would also step forward and the type of people we're going to be, a people of faith. So as we give, I pray we would give wholeheartedly, not holding back, but believing that God is going to bless us and through us bless the church and through the church bless the community and through the community bless the region and through the region we will bless the, bless the world. And Lord God, I just pray you would be in everything we do and everything we say. I pray that as we give, you wouldn't just bless us with money, but you would bless us with influence and every person we touch would see Jesus and would see Jesus in us, that as we follow Jesus, they would follow us. So, Lord God, we're believing for blessings beyond just money, beyond just finances. We are believing blessings of salvation and restoration in this ministry. So, Lord God, we thank you for this day. I pray that you bless us and continue to bless us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. You can give.
Yeah, it is, it is good. Yes, thank you. I was, I was highly encouraged by coming in this morning and seeing so many people in the praise team. That made me excited. That, that did my heart so good. And so thank you for those of you who just joined for taking the initiative to go ahead and get a part of that. And as you know, January 15th, which is this upcoming Saturday, we have our volunteer training and meeting day. So those of you who signed up for ministries, please be there. And let's get all of our ministries filled up like our music ministry. That's, that's what I long to see. And I wanted to say thank you because you guys have already taken the initiative to give generously. So I want to go ahead and say thank you. As we see numbers going up, the Lord is going to bless us as we bless others. So I just want to say a big thank you to you guys that when y'all signed those pledges to give, to join small groups, and to volunteer, you guys took that seriously. And so I want to say a genuine thank you to you guys for not just filling out a form and then that's whatever, but y'all are actually buying into what the Lord is doing here, right? And so not just what are we going to do in the new year, what type of people are we going to be? And so it has really encouraged me to see that come to fruition. It's it's great. Um, Before we get into our first technical sermon of the new year, I want to read something to you guys. Um, Listen, if you know me, you know I'm not I'm not one of those guys that's all into prophecy. I'm not always looking into the future. I'm a, I'm a here type guy. Like, I'm, I'm in the present. I'm pushing forward. A pastor's job, biblically, is actually to equip and train the saints. And so I take that seriously. I'm not one of these guys who's stuck in Revelation somewhere. I'm with you here now trying to train you and equip you to be effective in the modern day that we live. Um, but this, who has heard of Jeremiah Johnson? Anybody heard of Jeremiah Johnson? So he's one of the only guys I actually trust, if I'm being honest. I'm very skeptical of current prophecy because a lot of times it's, oh, you're going to be blessed. You're going to have all this money. And it's, you know, it's, it's prosperity gospel. But this guy, to me, he's the real deal. And he, had, he showed some real signs of humility during the last election. He really repented for some things that he got wrong. And I just didn't see that in the other guys. He actually repented for things. Well, Brother C.E. shared this with me, and I had already been feeling this in my spirit, but I just wanted to read real fast because I think this is super applicable. So this is a prophetic dream from Jeremiah Johnson. And so he writes, beginning, I would like to share a very urgent and significant dream I recently received that I believe requires quite a bit of prayer, fasting, and discussion. Carrying a serious burden from the Lord, I reached out to several spiritual mentors of mine who all agreed that this visitation needed to be shared publicly. I am choosing to release it now with great sobriety, hope, and intercession. The prophetic dream. On January 1st, 2022, I had a prophetic dream where I found myself in a room of a high-stakes poker tournament. The date 2022 was very visible in the room with a special emphasis on the last two. The way that I read it in the dream was 2020 times two. At the table was a key American political figure and five well-known ministers. I noticed that there was also one seat at the table with no one sitting there. The last hand was dealt and the political leader had two aces or what can be known as a pocket rockets. He immediately went all in. He wagered all his poker chips on his cards without looking up. One by one, all of the famous pastors folded their cards and walked out. As they walked out, in walked the man who had the, who had the empty seat at the table. I did not recognize him, but noticed he was wearing a t-shirt that said Remnant. He sat down and pushed all his chips toward the political leader who was shocked he had sat down and had a seat at the table. 
They both flipped over their cars. The political figure had two aces, and the unknown remnant had a full house and one. Suddenly, a lion came into the room and devoured the political leader. Upon waking up, the Holy Spirit said to me, 2022 will appear to be like 2020 in many ways. Fear over the virus and economic concerns will abound. Many churches and ministries will continue to fold and bow down to intimidation, political correctness, and hidden agendas. However, it will be the full house of the remnant that gathers, the unknowns at the table who will push back against the plans of the enemy to mimic and copy 2022. You must call the bluff and move forward with courage and confidence. How many of us can agree with that in their spirit? How many of us already starting in the new year have seen things sparking, sparking up again that we saw in the beginning of 2020? So my question for us as a ministry is, is are we going all in or are we going to fold? And I've been feeling that in my spirit. What was Vision Sunday? All in. Did I not say that over and over and over? Because this ministry, if we don't go all in starting now, that's all in telling our friends and families about Jesus, inviting them to church, giving generously not just to the church but to others, showing the love of God to the people. If we don't start all in now as a body, we're not going to be here much longer. So the question for us in 2022, are we going all in or are we going to fold? Because some of us have been going halfway for so long, it would be really easy for us to fold and just leave. How are we going to respond in 2022? And as soon as uh, CE sent me this, I had already been feeling this in my spirit. I, I could already tell that 2022, they were going to try to revamp what we experienced in 2020 because people were no longer afraid of COVID everywhere. People were no longer living in fear. Life started going back to what we would have called normal. And the moment that happened, people started to get bold. People started to get their voices back. People started to dream again. And as soon as people saw that was happening, guess what they tried to do? They tried to suppress it again. But I myself, I'm not going to fold. And we as a ministry have to decide, are we going to go all in for Jesus or are we going to fold? And can I tell you, sometimes folding looks like just doing the same thing you've been doing. Being complacent is folding. So either we're taking this ministry to the next level, or we're going to fold. And guess what? That's not just me. That falls on every single person in this church. Are we going all in, or are we going to fold? Because last time I checked, this is Jesus' church, not Josiah's church. And so all of us are seeking the same things, seeking going the same way. And I promise you, and I'll promise you again, I told you what we're going to do in 2022, and I told you what people were trying to be in 2022, striving to be. And if we take those four main initiatives and those five pillars of culture, I guarantee you we will not fold in 2022. We will be a place of hope to those around us. Did I not say in, in, our, in our first pillar of faith for our, the new culture we're building here, I said we would stand when those around us are falling apart. And we will be the ones they look to. So we, as a ministry, have to decide, are we going all in or are we going to fold? Our passage today, so we are getting back into the Sermon on the Mount. You know, we took a hiatus from it and we were dealing with union, which is our oneness with Jesus. 
right? What that means for us. And we, I think we spent like seven weeks on union with Jesus, the different ways that it affects us, how we walk in it and what it means exactly. And so whenever I started the Sermon on the Mount, really, I felt kind of hopeless because I'm like, Holy Spirit, I know this. And like, I know I'm supposed to do these teachings, but I'm really falling short of this. But union changed everything for me. Union changed the way I saw Jesus. Union changed the way I walked with Jesus because he's not far off distant and it's not a personal relationship, but he is with me, walking hand in hand with me in union. He lives in me and he empowers me to do what he calls me to do. So as we come back to the Sermon on the Mount, we're not going to be viewing it from the lens of union, right? It's not ourselves. We're not trying to achieve this or we're not trying to strive to be this. Walking in our union with Jesus, this is produced inside of us and we are made like he is. So if you would turn our passage today is Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 through 48. We're going to stand up in a minute and read it together on Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 through 48 finishing up the chapter. But as we talked before this is the manifesto of the kingdom of God. Jesus comes right and, and openly declaring there's going to be a revolution but it wasn't a revolution like the people thought it was a revolution. It was a moral revolution. It was a transcendence of the heart. It was a transformation of the heart of humanity. And we've talked about this so many times. Jesus did not come the way we thought he would come, right? We thought a conquering king to come take over and liberate the people. But he did come and liberate the people, just not in the way that they thought he did. So we're coming back to the manifesto of Jesus Christ, which is the declaration of the revolution of the kingdom. And so if that's the manifesto of Jesus, we should probably understand it and live by it. So I'm excited to get into this because this is something I have struggled with my entire life and the Holy Spirit and my union with Jesus is helping me walk in this and understand it more deeply. Will you please stand with me? I'm going to pray for us real fast. King Jesus, I pray that as we read your words, they would pierce to our very souls. That we wouldn't leave today just knowing more knowledge, but we would leave today changed and transformed. And that we would leave this place with purpose and intentionality to love people better, to love people more, to reach out to those maybe we have some bitterness towards, and to work things out. So Jesus, I just pray that through today we would look more like you in every aspect of our lives. That really this is all encompassing of how we deal with other people. So King Jesus, I just pray that your teaching and your words would pierce our hearts that these words would not fall on unfertile soil, but this would be fertile soil, and that we would see a great harvest. In my name we pray. Amen. All right, let, let's read. Verse 43, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. And sins reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Thank you. You can be seated. The way we're going to approach this teaching today is we're dealing, it, dealing with it as two questions. 
All right, so if you're taking notes and listen, you can come up and take a picture after, or I can post the picture on our Facebook, and you'll have it that way. But we're posing this, this teaching in, in two questions for us as followers of Jesus. The first question is, what does Jesus mean by loving our enemies? What does Jesus mean by loving our enemies? And that's going to be verses 43, verses 45a. All right, that, that's where the question is going to lie. That's our first question. So in English, we have one word for love, right? And it can mean so many different things. Well, I love that chicken is not the same as, well, I love my wife, right? It's, it's different. Well, I love your hair is different than, wow, I love my mom, right? There's, there's different, but we in the English language have one word for love. In the Greek, it's not that way. There are four main words. There are eight total, but there are four main words in the Greek for love. The first one is storge, which is a family love, right? You're born with that love in your heart. It's family, right? Your mom, your dad, your siblings, your cousins. That's the first type of love. Eros, which is sexual passion, longing, and desire, right? That you would feel towards your spouse. There's philia, which is a deep affection, those nearest and dearest to your heart. So this isn't a love that you're born with, okay? So the, the love you're born with is storge. It's love for a family. But philia is love that is it's built up in your heart by experience with another person. So your closest friend, right? That person you spent the most time with has gone through the struggles and hardships with you. It's a deep affection in your heart, Okay, and we all have that person, right? We all have that person we have deep affection for in our heart. People that have been with us through really hard times and helped us deal with trauma. And then there's agape, which is unconquerable benevolence and invincible goodwill. Agape. All right, so it is unconquerable benevolence and invincible goodwill. And so obviously the love that Jesus meant here wasn't the love of family, right? He doesn't say love your enemies the same way you love your spouse. Why? Because that's not possible. You don't have the same connection with your enemy as you do your spouse. And he doesn't even tell you to love your enemy the same way that, that you love your best friend. Why? That's not possible. Your enemies are usually the ones causing the hard situation that your best friends are helping you get through. So you can't love them the same way. And that's not even what Jesus meant. What Jesus meant was for us to agape people. And now what's important about this is in the church, we have like 80 billion definitions of agape. We really do. And there's never a really clear line. So I went through at least 10 different commentaries to really put together a definition that brought them all together. A lot of them said the same thing. Some were a little wonky, but this is what agape is. You don't got to write the whole thing down. It's long. If we regard a person with agape, it means that no matter what that person does to us or how they treat us, no matter if they insult us or injure us or grieve us, we will never allow any bitterness against them to invade our hearts, but will regard them with that unconquerable benevolence and invincible goodwill, which will seek nothing but their highest good. So what he means by benevolence is it's, it's the desire to do good to other people, right? God has the highest benevolence because he shows the same favor of the natural world to, sin, to saints and sinners alike. His rain falls on, listen, if there, if there was a field, a farmer who was not living a righteous life and there was a farmer who lived a righteous life, do you think that the rain would only fall on the farm of the righteous man? No. God's benevolence is shown to the whole world through what he provides through natural order of the universe. And so his benevolence, his goodwill is shown towards all of humanity. And that goodwill goes even, even deeper than the desire. The goodwill itself is actually the deeds you do 
to, to provide the good for somebody. And so agape, what it actually means is that no matter what somebody does to us, I'm talking family stabs you in the back because that's one of the deepest wounds. A best friend just stops talking to you. That is a really deep wound. Even if they do these things to you, your desire for them is still good and you still do actions that would cause good to fall upon them. And so agape isn't a love that is, is really birthed in the heart. It's a love that is established by the will to please God. So it's deeper than just a feeling. I need y'all to understand, agape is not just a feeling. These other loves are just feelings. Philia, you feel a deep affection for somebody. Storge, it's, it's family. You feel that. And eros, you feel that desire. Those are feelings. But agape transcends feelings, and it's an act of the feelings and the will. Because can I tell you, I don't always feel like loving those who are mean to me. But I know Jesus commands me to do so. And so it's, it's, it's an intentional response. I want y'all to write that down. An intentional response. Because if you're not intentional about loving people this way, guess what? You will not love people this way. And I myself have struggled with anger the majority of my life, and bitterness is a root of anger. And so bitterness builds up easily. But when we love people this way, and can I tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy. I'm having to deal with this with some very specific people in my life right now. It's not easy. But it's what we're commanded to do. Write this down. Agape equals God-like love. God like love. Agape equals God like love. Can I tell you why I said that? Because we can never actually put into words God's love. <laughs> you, you can't word down what he is or who he is. We have such a finite understanding of the God of the universe. That's why I said God like love, because his love transcends even this. It's deeper and wider than anything we could ever imagine. I already said this, but God causes his rain to fall and the sun to shine on saints and sinners alike. It's, it's goodwill to the world, benevolence to the world. That's who he is. That's why it is God-like love, and we should respond the same. And even more so, God has provided a way for all of humanity to be saved. And scripture even tells us he holds back his own wrath because he hopes that more will come to know his son. The God of the universe holds back his wrath from evil, corrupt people so that more will come to know his son and his kindness is shown to the world so the world would come to a place of repentance and to believe in his son. And so God is the ultimate example of goodwill and benevolence, right? Not only does he provide for the physical needs of the world, he also holds back his own wrath spiritually so people can come to know him and to be saved. And so with saying agape, six things emerge from this that we have to know about agape as it applies to us. What, is a, what does it mean to live by agape love? There are things that it means and things it definitely doesn't mean. So if you're writing notes, six things emerge from this, living in this type of agape love. Number one is this. Jesus never commanded us to love our enemies in the same way as we love our nearest and dearest. Jesus never commanded us to love our enemies the same way we love our nearest and dearest. Why? It's not possible. It's not possible, guys. Th those people who are nearest and dearest to you, the reason it is that way is because you have gone through life experiences and life traumas and life decisions with those people. That's a bond that is built, and you can't have that with an enemy. That's not what God means by having agape love towards those who insult you and hurt you and injure you and those who want to cause you harm. That's not what he means by agape love. He's not saying walk up to someone who hates you, put your arm around them, give them a kiss on the cheek. That's not what he means. You'd probably get beat up, so probably don't do that. 
what he, that's not what he means. He never, he never commanded that. And I feel like as Christians, we confuse that all the time. We confuse agape love with just like, like deep, genuine love for every single person you ever meet. But agape love isn't a feeling. I usually don't feel love towards those who are talking about me behind my back. I don't feel that. But I choose to. I choose to love those people. I choose not to talk back about them. Right, y'all, how easy, how easy, it, easy is it to be gossiped about and then gossip about them? It's easy. And guess what? That cycle is never ending. And you don't even know what's the truth after a while because it's all gossip. It's just words being circled around. Mad, angry, all these things are being pushed into words you didn't actually mean in the first place. And so there's no way you can love your enemy the way you love your mother or your spouse or your brothers or your sisters. It's not possible. So we as Christians have got to stop feeling condemned in ourselves when we don't love someone who's mean to us the same way that we love our family. Who else has been there? Who else has been in that place where like, oh, I just, I didn't feel love for that person. God, I failed you. That's never what he meant in the first place. You're not meant to love everyone that way. Number two, agape is not just a love that we feel in our hearts. It is an act of the will. It's an intentional choice. Agape love is an intentional choice. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. One more time. Agape is not just a love that we feel in our hearts. It is an act of the will. It is the power to love those who don't like, sorry, it is a power to love those who we don't like and who don't like us. Only through union can we walk in agape. It's only through Jesus, we're going to get to that in a minute, it's only through Jesus, living in union with Jesus, that we can live this way. Number three, agape does not mean we allow people to do whatever they want unchecked. Agape does not mean you're walked all over. That is not what that means. Sometimes your highest form of love comes in correction and discipline. If you truly want the best for somebody, would you not warn them that their decisions are not the best for them? Why do you think I, some people consider I'm hard on you guys? Because I love you. I see your potential. I see your value. I see your worth. I see your gifts and your talents. So for me as your pastor, if I just let you sit there forever and never said anything, am I truly loving you? I don't think that's love. Sometimes the deepest love I have ever experienced in my life was when someone sat me down and told me to do better. Why? Because they knew I could do better. And they knew I was better than how I was living. So sometimes agape, is, well, it's, it's never letting someone just walk all over you for no reason. And usually agape is showing our highest form of love in correction and discipline, which is never fun. But if you genuinely love people, do you not want them to live to the best of their abilities? I mean, if we love one another, we should want to see each other reach our potential. We should want each other to succeed. I saw this quote that said, um, you can never beat me because I'm never competing against you. I want you to win too. I feel that way. I genuinely feel that way. Like, y'all, some pastors feel like we have to, like, fight against one another for congregants and, like, steal each other's congregants. I'm, I'm not fighting against any other pastor. I could care less about that church, if I'm being honest. I'm not in competition with them. The more their church grows, guess what? The more the kingdom grows. You think I'm supposed to be mad about that? Because our church sits at like 80 people and they got 200. I'm not mad about that. I'm not mad about that. The church is a family. If they grow, guess what? We grow. We're a family. I'm not in competition with anybody. Number four. This commandment is first and foremost about personal relationships. 
This command is for us in our everyday lives and interactions with others. Now, oftentimes people take this teaching, oh, if we could just have world peace, if everyone would just love everybody. No, this starts with you. This starts with you. I feel like we as humanity want to talk about world peace so much, we don't take ownership for what we do every single day. Guess what? If you're mean to someone or rude or you act out with anger, you're adding to the problem. So we can't just hopefully wish for world peace when we in our everyday lives could be taking responsibility to live intentionally. This command is for us in our everyday lives and interactions with others. Y'all, I have been taking that so seriously. I have been so cautious. I feel like every time I study the teachings of Jesus, I'm like, whoa, man, I got, I'm, I got to tread on thin ice here. I got to be careful because I noticed that there were practices in my life that were contrary to what he actually meant. So if we don't study the teachings of Jesus, we can just take them at face value and they seem so simple. But the teachings of Jesus are so dynamic and they have so much depth to them that if we don't study them, how are we going to live like Jesus? Number five, we must note that this commandment is possible only for believers who live in their union with Jesus. It's only possible. Y'all, I have tried to be a believer who did not live in my union, and I tried to live this out. Can I tell you, I never succeeded. When I tried to do this on my own with help from the Holy Spirit, isn't that crazy that we as Christians do things with help from the Holy Spirit? Like he's not supposed to have full control of us. And so I, I've, I've tried this on my Holy Spirit. I don't want your help. I want you to do it. Because I know in my own will, I can't. Why? Because I've tried and I know that I will fail. That's why scripture tells us to see ourselves in the right light. You should know yourself. I know myself. And only through my union, only through Jesus literally living and moving and breathing in my being, in my oneness with him, with him controlling me and guiding me and speaking to me, can I live this way? Example, Serena and I are neighbors under us. His name is Todd. I hope one day he comes to this church. Todd is not an easy man to live, to live in the same building as. I'm not going to be mean. But for almost a whole year, me and Todd, we, we went back at it. Like, he would be loud, I'd go and knock, and then he'd come up and complain, just like, Lord Jesus, help me. So, y'all, I, I was having so much trouble living this agape life towards him. I was praying, God, kick this man out of here, get him evicted. Like, I was not praying goodwill on this man. I was like, God, shut his mouth, make him deaf. I was like, I was praying, y'all, I was praying stuff. Like, y'all, I was praying stuff like King David was praying in the Psalms. Like, God, kill my enemies. Like, great. Y'all, it got bad. I was praying some unholy things. It got bad. But guess what? About three months ago, I realized my union with Jesus. And so the other day, I showed a sign of goodwill, and I went down, I gave him a gift, and just said, thank you for being a patient neighbor. Y'all should have seen his face. He was like, you didn't have to do this. I was like, I just wanted to. I just wanted to. Y'all, only through union with Jesus can we live that way. And I'm telling you, if I would have never understood my union with him, with Jesus, I would have never went down and did that with Todd. I would have probably fought Todd before I gave Todd a gift. Because <laughs> sometimes I was at that point. This pastor was about to get kind of nasty, but... Listen, through union with Jesus, I'm telling you it's possible. And how do I know it's possible? Because he's done it in me. And things that I would have lashed out about towards people, man, he's, Jesus is teaching me the way he looked at people. They don't get it yet, but they will. And so in this church, I'm, when, when, I'm, when I'm working my way through things, trying not to get frustrated, I remind myself, right? They may not get it yet, but they will. 
God is taking us somewhere. Jesus is leading us, and that always includes a journey, and the journey's not always easy. And so through my union with Jesus, he's teaching me to always have goodwill towards people and desiring to see them prosper, even when I may not even like them as people. God is putting that in me to want to see them prosper. Number six, we are commanded to pray for our enemies. No one can pray for another person and hate them. Did, did you hear that? We are commanded to pray for them and not the prayers I was doing towards Todd. No, God, God, take them out, God. Cut out their tongue, God. None of that. That is not what Jesus means. Jesus means that we are meant to pray prosperity over their lives and salvation over their souls. And can I tell you, even someone you have an extreme amount of bitterness, the greatest way to kill bitterness is to pray for that person. Bonhoeffer said this, when you pray for your enemies, you are coming side by side with him, with your arm around him in the presence of God, interceding on his behalf. How are you going to hate somebody you are taking in front of the throne of God and intercessing for? You don't intercess for people you hate. It's impossible. So we are commanded to pray for our enemies because prayer destroys the root of bitterness. And the root of bitterness leads to hate. We are commanded to pray for people because you can't pray for anyone that you hate. Man, we need to take that seriously. Question number two. Why does Jesus demand that we should have this love? Why does Jesus demand that we should have this love? And the answer is beautiful and simple, but it's also tremendous and great. Because such a love makes us like God. When we love this way, we are like God. Now, please don't misunderstand and think I'm a heretic. I'm not saying we become God. I'm saying that we start to embody the very essence of who God is. And God is a God pay love. God doesn't send anybody to hell. His son came and died so everyone could have a choice. So you can't tell me God is mean and wrathful and sending people to hell. No, God is so loving, he gave you a choice. If God didn't love you, he'd just control you and manipulate you like a puppet. But God's agape love is so great and so deep and so wide that he wanted you to choose him back. Because he already chose you. So that, that love, when we embody that love, when we embody that love of when people hate us and persecute us and insult us and talk about us behind our backs and stab us in the back, when we embody that love of even though they did that, we still want them to have a good life. Not we're going to love you and be your best friend, but the desire in our heart. Do we understand it's the condition of the heart? When the condition of our heart is still, is still goodwill towards that person, desiring to see that person live a good life, that is when we become like God. Do you think God enjoys people cursing his name? Do you think God enjoys people hating him and his church and his people? No, but his benevolence and his goodwill never changes. That's why it's invincible goodwill. Nothing can do it. And it's unconquerable benevolence because nothing we do can conquer his benevolence. Nothing. And his love is such that even when sinners, even when the, what we would consider the evilest people die, he doesn't take joy in that. It breaks God's heart when people don't choose him and have to spend eternity away from him. That's what type of love God has. No matter what people say, no matter what people do, the vilest people we could ever imagine. God never takes joy in the destruction of the people he made with his very hands. He never does. That's the God we serve. You can't do anything to get on his bad side. His benevolence is forever. Oh, Jesus, help us. 
Jesus pointed to the action of God in the world, and that is the action of unconquerable benevolence. God makes his son to rise on saints and sinners alike. And, you know, that, always, that has always blown my mind on God. How he, how he pours out so many blessings upon the earth that aren't just for who we consider to be us, his people. It's for all people. It's to sustain all life upon the planet. Because if we were God, we definitely would not do that. The moment that we became angry, guess what we would do? If we had the power, we would act on it. Hey, who has seen Avengers Endgame? You know Thanos when he snaps? That would be us. More than half the population would be gone just by a snap of our fingers. Can we be honest? But that's the God we serve. There's nothing we can do to push him to that point. The love of God is such that he can never take pleasure in the destruction of any of his creatures that his hands have made. Yeah, I just think that's beautiful. I read that again because I think that's beautiful. Like, no matter who we would consider the most, I'm talking like pedophiles, the worst people we could ever imagine, God doesn't take any joy in their destruction. It's not who he is. We, we take joy in that destruction, do we not? Like, if we're being honest, there, there, there's a root of evil in us. I'm like, that person deserves to die, right? Like, no. Yo, I've seen it all over Facebook. I've seen Christians posting, like, kill all the pedophiles, like, like talking about murder and stuff. I think pedophilia is one of the nastiest, most horrible things you could ever do. Absolutely filthy and disgusting. But man, if I'm going to be a godlike person, I can never wish death upon somebody, and I can never take joy in someone else's destruction. Yo, I used to be the type of person, when I'd see somebody fail, be like, ha, you suck. Like, literally. And I'd be like, look at me. Like, I'm thriving, succeeding. Look at you fail. because you, you see what I'm saying? But now, man, I see somebody fail, and I'm like, that breaks my heart. Like, the fact they're going through this because of decisions they made, usually because no one helped guide them away from that decision, that breaks my heart, man. It does. Like, I don't want to see anybody fail. I don't want to see anybody fail. I want to see people succeed and thrive in Jesus. I long to see that. But, yo, that's what agape love does. It builds that up in your heart to see people that way. Verse 45 says this, So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. A son slash daughter of God means a God-like man or woman. Being a son means you are like him. It's being a God-like man or woman. And boy, like I said, not becoming God, you have the attributes. You're living in his spirit. So when we possess agape, we are like him and bear his image as his children. Jesus was saying, when you live this way, when you walk in agape, you become like God. You become children of God. So if we're not walking in agape, we don't look like God. We're not walking like God. And it's really hard to call yourself a son or daughter of God when you hate people. You can't. That's racism. That's prejudice. Y'all, listen, Christians, we have to be careful how we talk on social media. You saying things like you hate homosexuals is not helping you look like Jesus. Guess what? That hate is just as disgusting as God to a homosexual lifestyle. We have to be careful of what we say and what we think. That's our humanity speaking. That's not our godlikeness speaking. So we have to be careful how we act towards other people. I long to see African Americans in this church. I do. Y'all, I grew up in a church in Charleston that was a melting pot of people. The churches down the road called us the Salt and Pepper Church. That, that's the type of church my dad planted. That's the type of church I grew up in. That's the area we lived in. And I long to see that, man. I'm tired of white churches and black churches and Hispanic churches. I'm sick of that, man. And I'm sick of the prejudice that is produced when those things are established. I long to see all the people of God come together 
and worship the God we were, we were made by. So we as Christians have to be careful about how we look at other people, how we talk about other people, because when you don't live in agape, you're not a son or daughter of God. Jesus said, when you live in this, you are a son and daughter of God because you are living like God. I don't wish God would kill all the gay people. I don't. Yo, I've heard Christians say the craziest things. I pray that through our kindness as Christians, they come to know Jesus. Scripture says through God's kindness, the point of his kindness is to bring people to repentance. That's what I long to see for the church. And I long to see diversity in the body. But we all have to long for that. It can't just be me. But when we walk in agape, that is when we become sons and daughters of Yahweh. Verse 48 says, says this very daunting thing. Verse 48 says this. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. How daunting is that? When we think of perfection, what do we think? We're never going to sin. We're not going to do any of that. We're never going to lie. We're never going to cuss. We're never going to mistreat somebody. Can I tell you, that's impossible. While we live on this earth, more than that, that's not even what Jesus meant by this. Y'all, my whole life I've been, y'all, when people would, would like point fingers at me, be perfect as your father is perfect. I'm like, oh, you're perfect? Let him who has not sinned cast the first stone. Oh, wait, we're all dropping our stones. No, that's not, that's not even what this Greek word means. Look, be perfect. The Greek word is teleos, okay? The Greek word is teleos. The Greek understanding of perfection is functional. Listen here. A thing is perfect if it realizes the purpose for which it was planned and designed and made. Perfection is when you understand your purpose. When you understand your purpose, you are perfect in the eyes of God. Whoa, that, that's going to change some of y'all's lives. Because some of you have tried so hard to be perfect for so long, you are stuck in a constant state of condemnation because you could never be good enough. But when we understand our purpose, our Heavenly Father looks down at us and sees perfection. Telos, where telios comes from, means an end, a purpose, an aim, a goal. A person is considered perfect by Jesus if they realize the purpose for which they were created and sent into the world. Why were we created? To be God-like people. Why were we sent into the world? To show the love of God to humanity. And when we understand that purpose and then choose to intentionally live in it, the Father sees us as perfect. But a church of people who don't live in agape can never understand their purpose because agape is the purpose. Showing love to those who don't deserve it. Showing love to those who have hurt you. Listen, we are meant to show love to those who don't deserve it because we didn't deserve his love in the first place. When we were hopeless, God sent his son to us. When there was no way of salvation, God sent his only begotten son into the world. Why? Because God loved the world. Does anyone else think that's beautiful? That we can be perfect in the eyes of our Father. There is no room for condemnation when you know the Father sees you as perfect. And you know that his Son already died for your sins past, present, and future. So now you can live in perfection, the perfection he sees. 
Not that you'll never fail, not that you'll never fall, but that you can live in the confidence that God sees you as perfect. But the thing about knowing your purpose is you have to choose to live in your purpose. So we as a church, like I said earlier, what is my purpose of being here? To equip you and to train you. But for what purpose? To send you out into a world that's hurting. To send you out into a world that's hopeless. To send you out into a world that is so used to being hurt, they're just aggressive all the time. That's why I'm here. And after I got done studying this, man, I have the biggest smile on my face because I'm like, God, I'm perfect in your sight because I know my purpose and I'm going to choose to live in my purpose. To love like God is to be like God. To be like God is our purpose. Agape is our purpose. Agape equals perfection. Perfection equals knowing your purpose. And so to bring this whole teaching together of Jesus, what was he saying? He was saying, when you live in this agape love, right, we talked about what it means. It means you, you, you have a desire to do good to others and you actually act upon that desire, right? Even when they hurt you, they grieve you, insult you, and attack you. We are desiring good and doing good to other people. We're actively living in that, right? And then, then he works his way over here. He talks about what it does and doesn't mean. But then he works his way over here. How do we be like God? Our whole purpose is to love like God. And this love isn't, isn't just an emotion. It's an act of the will. We have to intentionally act upon these feelings. And when we feel those, those feelings of hatred and bitterness start to root up in us, guess what? We have to intentionally act contrary to what we're feeling. That, God, I want to lash out this person so bad. But then you go before God in prayer. And when we go before God in prayer on the behalf of our enemies, we start to have affection for those people we never had before. And he says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Why is God perfect? Because he fully knows his purpose and he fully lives in that purpose. He is God. He is transcendent. He is outside what we know. But God meant for his people to live that same way, knowing their purpose, knowing why they were put here. But like I said, not just knowing it, but living in our purpose. So we as a church can be perfect in the eyes of our father when we as a collective body understand our purpose for being here. Why, were we, why we were created and why we were sent into the world. And I, as your pastor, long for you to be perfect, not in the sense you're never going to make me mad, not in the sense of you're never going to do something that's anti-Christian. It's in the fact that I want to see you living in your purpose. And you know what's a great way to start in your purpose? Join small groups. Volunteer. Give generously. Live and move and breathe as his church because this building is not his church. And us being, listen, God never meant for his church to be stagnant. God never meant for his church to only meet on Sundays and only be a church on Sundays. God meant for his church to go out into the world. That's why the kingdom of God is unconquerable. It's everywhere. It's, it's not set in one place. When one part of his kingdom is maybe being attacked, the other part of his kingdom is thriving and growing and leading. Why? Because we are his people. And when we move and when we walk in our purpose, the kingdom of God is being furthered in the world. God is not a stagnant God. And we are not called to be a stagnant people. But we are called to be a people who live in perfection. And that is knowing our purpose and why we are here. Auntie, will you guys play some music? Y'all, I, I, I want to worship as we lead out, thanking God for his love, thanking God for his mercy that in Jesus, 
in Jesus we can be perfect. Not by anything of our own will, but that through His union we are made perfect in His sight. Y'all stand with us. showing us through the word today. God, we thank you that we can find our purpose by being in union with you. And Father God, help us to grow closer and closer and closer to you, that we can have that type of love that only you have. 
So God, I pray and ask today that as we walk out of this service today, Father, God, I pray and ask that you will open up our eyes and our hearts to be more like you, to be in complete and total union with you, Father God. So God, I pray and ask today as we walk out of here, I plan for every single person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray and ask you not only bless them physically, I pray and ask not only you bless them mentally and emotionally, Father God, but bless them, Father God, that they can have that experience that only you can give, that experience of closeness with you. That as they walk, they feel your very heartbeat. As they are about their daily walks, that they feel your presence envelop them, Father. God, I pray and ask today that those that are under the sound of my voice, that you will just wrap your arms around them, Father God, and let them feel that agape love. Let them feel that love of a father. Father, I pray and ask that you will wrap their arms around them so tight, Father, that they will feel your very presence, your heartbeat, and your breath breathe upon them. God, I pray and ask that as they, whatever they have been facing during this week, and, that, and you know what they may face during the coming week, Father, prepare them for it. God, I pray and ask that your love will shine through them, that people will see your presence. They will feel your presence as they walk. Now, God, I pray and ask today that you will bless these people. Bless them indeed, Father God. Bless them and enlarge their territories. Keep your hand of protection about them, oh God. Keep them from evil that will harm them not. And let every single thing that they do, let your agape love show. Let your presence show. Let your face show about them, Father God. And let people feel your presence when they walk into the room. Father, I give you glory, praise, and all the honor for all the things that you've done in our lives. All the things that you're going to continue to do in this house. And all the things that you're going to do through us by living through you and closer and closer in union with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. We love you guys. We thank you for being with us today. Pastor Betty, you have food in the outreach. All right, food in the activity center. We love you guys. We'll see you guys soon. Y'all have a great day.